Comrades and friends, hello. This is Rob. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. And we're here in the bunker to do a little, uh, a little recap. Both of our friends are here, live. It's happening. And for her, her Highlands Bunker debut, Ty Greer. Hello, Ty. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. And, of course, Carl is uh, on the dials, and he's also in the house. And we will certainly need his um, his expertise when we go through some of this uh, legislative stuff. So, I have I have some notes here, and I want to go over my my sort of view of it because um, a lot of people were, you know, fair enough, you know, kind of hanging their hat on on, on some victories or perceived victories. Um, but here's how I look at it: We didn't get the tax brackets. We didn't get paid family medical leave. We didn't get fines and fees reform. We didn't get marijuana legalization. The police reform we got, with all due respect to friend and comrade Marie Pinckney, uh, was a little bit weak. Um, you know, there's a consequence to changing the use of force uh, in, in defense of yourself uh, for just police. But when you change it for everybody, that includes people who are uh, being abused domestically, people who are doing self-defense. Uh, and so it was, it was very uh, interesting to me that this bill changed the standard of self-defense for everybody, not just police. So we have to solve more problems that we don't have. And, of course, uh, chokeholds were banned, which is like the fancy one. I mean, people are still going to get choked out. Everybody knows that that doesn't mean anything. And can you explain the, I guess, the upgraded way that the AG's office is going to, you know, the public trust and accountability office of the AG are going to investigate these police misconducts? Because apparently it's expanded, but, like, they do it now and, you know, doesn't do anything. And then we get the $15 minimum wage. That is, the, that is a, a bona fide victory. Uh, of course, that uh, doesn't go into into play for four years, and then we decide to reintroduce cash bail with SB nine. Um, and I, we'll talk to that. We'll talk about that in more detail um, a little bit later because I, I did some follow up and like I just want to give my opinion about that because that's that's really the the fuck up here is that you know my expectations are zero. Um, a few small wins, at least, are like, okay, that's happened. But then to go backwards on this and, and, and going in a direction that's really regressive, it's cruel, and it's just based on anecdote. <clears throat> I, I, I was extremely disappointed in this session. Now, I, f I feel like I'm, I'm uh, sort of like by myself on this. I mean, Ty, what's your, what's your view? First of all, Talk about minimum wage. Let's, let's start off on a high note. Because minimum wage was something that, you know, was a concerted effort. A, a, a real issue campaign with demonstrations, postcards, canvassing. And as you said, also, 
the political campaign cycle kind of hinged upon this because it was a big deal in a lot of the primaries um, that that progressives won. So give us like the recap and let's 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 relive the victory at least for the for the minimum wage. Okay, so we're gonna start with the good stuff. So for me, um, I haven't done as much work around this as everybody else. So we'll just start with that. So for me, the one good thing for me was I was bring, trying to bring people into this who were like me who weren't into politics. So for this legislative cycle, for a lot of us, this is our first one where we were actually actively paying attention, you know, proactively trying to come through with change and stuff. So minimum wage was a big deal because that was kind of pretty much the one thing that almost across the board everybody was on board with. They knew they needed more money, you know, and they thought it was a possibility could happen if such and such one or that person won. So I think that when we talk about victories and um, – we talk about minimum wage. I think that's a good one because it was probably the one thing that gave people faith across the board that, you know, organizing and, you know, electing the right people can make it happen. Cause it's not like it's the first time it started. Like this is not the first time it's been on the platform. It's not the first time people ran on it, but this is the first time it actually got accomplished and without any amendments. Um, and we had a lot of big people who were going against it. So I guess it renewed people's faith. So when we talk about all the negative things, I want to keep minimum wage at the top because it's like people power one with minimum wage. Now, when we talk about the other things. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it is fair. And I know we were talking about it before we came up here and we had a little, uh, we had a little dinner downstairs. Um, you know, Delicious. Carl, thank you. Carl, um, <clears throat> you know, made a good point where it was not only, not only did organizing win, but the brand of organizing that we're trying to do, that we're trying to sell people on, that brand of it won. You know, because it won in elections, it actually, because it won in election campaigns, some uh, legislators who didn't get primaried, who think that they could be primaried, mm -hmm. actually switched their vote. Which is, again, that's the kind of pressure that this, when people are canvassing your district, when people are making phone calls in your district, when there's demonstrations in Dover that get on the news, um, it does change public opinion, and that does help. So it, it actually, you know, it... it, it it shows that our brand of organizing can be effective. So we gotta give we gotta give WFP and Carl some props woo, on that. Woo, 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 woo. It worked. And I think it's really important because when we talk about change and people lose faith in the system, you know, you you always gotta say, like, well, what are you doing to make things change? Like what are you what is your active involvement? And I think that we stick with minimum wage. This is one thing where people from different walks of life, different whatever for whatever reason they were on board with this. So I think that was a big catalyst because in the past it was more people were passively wanting it to happen. I think now people were actively trying to make this change happen. Yeah. It, it, it validates the, it validates the strategy, the process, like, like the whole idea behind it, it, it is, is validated by this. Um, let's quickly do like the ones that are just heinous. And then we'll talk about the ones that are a little more sort of controversial because it was like something, but what was it? So tax brackets again. We're not, that's obviously we're not going to get them. But the only thing I want to say about that is uh, two things. One is um, thank you, John Kowalko, for continuing to bring that to everyone's attention because I think that's at least important. Uh, and also the idea that people uh, the capital flight leaves the state when the tax brackets go up. People already leave the state to pay higher taxes to go to better schools. So these things are connected. Um, we see you. Um, Paid family and medical leave, um, 
as we got, we, you know, we covered it with the call too, and we covered it here, but it seemed pretty clear to me that, you know, that was one of those things that capital interests are just going to crush. Um, but there is some movement behind that. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, to have Judge Kuhn and, and, uh, and Liz back in here and we'll talk about it again next session and give it a, give it a go. But it was, a, it was sort of disappointing. And, the marijuana leg- uh, legislation, the legalization, like it's, it's, inc- it, and this is the one that sticks in my crawl, not because I'm a pothead, although I am a pothead, uh, it sticks in my crawl because like the $15 minimum wage, it's extremely uh, popular, yeah. but, but the, you know, and, and, and there's, and there's, uh, you know, uh, organized, uh, organized, whatever you want to call it, opposition in the, in the cop cabal. So, but that there was organized opposition in, in capital too with, with the minimum wage, but somehow something that's so uh, incredibly popular, maybe even more than the $15 minimum wage, didn't, didn't even get a, a really a good hearing, I don't think. And, and again, this is another shout out to somebody we've had on. Um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about this. We've talked about it with the folks at Delaware Can, Zoe Pichel. And, and she's worked on this for fucking 10 years. And it's just, and, and it's, and it's, um, I mean, do you think that the governor's comments before when it was coming at sort of coming to a head, do you think the governor's comments like just basically told everybody why do it? He's not going to sign it anyway, because he came out, you know, in public a few weeks. Was it a few weeks before? Mm-hmm. And, and, and said, you know, uh, it's a ref- just a reefer madness. You know, it's just like, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a dumb dumb. And, 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 and the conversations I've had with elected officials after that did, you know, were like, well, he's not going to sign it, so why, why, you know, why rock the boat? I'm like, well, who are you rocking the boat? Rocking the boat? Who's in it? Who's in this boat? And so I, 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 I do think, unfortunately, that I, I think that that sort of solidified everybody's like, no, nah, forget it. So I want to say with the marijuana thing, I'm kind of disappointed in the activism around that. Because so many, like, marijuana probably should have had as much or by far more reach. Because so many people in marginalized communities have been over-policed, have had unfair jail sentences, have been denied jobs, have been, you know, like, so much has gone on. That this should have been something, that it should have been standing room only. So when we compare it to, like, the $15 minimum wage, I think one of the problems where marijuana fell, fell down was we have a lot of the people who are, always been doing like Zoe she's been doing 10 years we had people who've been doing it for so long but now that we know it can happen and it's happened in other neighboring states and stuff and across the country people are still in this sit back and watch you know what I mean like we need more people who are passionate about it. if you have somebody who is locked up on some trumped up marijuana charges why aren't you involved you know, and I think that that's the part. We did not translate. That did not translate. It was sort of like, oh, they've been doing it. Let's see what they're going to do. No, we need to have people come out. People come out and tell people about their stories. There's lots of people who are using marijuana now medically, and they're seeing the benefits um, or that, you know, have changed their thoughts on it. But I think that with the marijuana, I don't feel like we got, I don't know, maybe Carl might think differently. Maybe you might think differently. I don't feel like we, the education, the personal story, impact stories, the the being, I don't think we hit the ground enough around marijuana. I think people just thought it was going to pass on its own. Yeah, it is odd. And I'm interested in what Carl's ideas about it are as well. And I just think like, because you do see, I remember a story, I guess about a year ago, of a woman in Sussex 
um, <clears throat> it was like my mom's age, uh, who was using it at, uh, medically, but then it became difficult because of the, the way you had to acquire it in Delaware, et cetera, et cetera. And so there have been some stories, but it's like, it's not real impactful ones. It's a one-off. And the other thing is, because of the kind of state we have, um, people like me, or at least a person that I you know, was when I worked at these banks, like everybody just, they're like, well, I can do whatever I want. So I'm not going to advocate for it because it doesn't matter. Like Bingo. I, I can just sit back and like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, and so I think that, that, but, but that also is, well, I guess the $15 minimum wage is sort of the same with them. Like they don't have to advocate for it, but I think more people understand it. I don't know. I mean, what is, is there a, is there a particular organizing issue with marijuana because of the, you know, the context and there there still are, you know, there's still going to be people like the governor. There's still going to be cops that want to search cars and, and, and ruffle through cards and stuff and, and be able to, you know, be able to put their boot on people's neck. I mean, is that is that causing a problem in finding people to to organize for it? So I can't talk too specifically about the marijuana organizing effort just because I don't know enough about it. But I do want to bring up something that I think gets overlooked and sometimes isn't known, and that is what is in common between paid family leave and medical mar- or and legal weed, which is they did not just require a majority vote. So any bill, so you know we talk about the filibuster and the insane uh, three fifths requirement that is required to break any filibuster in the Senate in the U.S. Senate. In Delaware, we have one of those like late. I don't remember. I don't know exactly when it was passed, but basically a rule that says um, I don't I don't think it's constitutional, but it might be that says if any bill raises taxes or fees, fiscal note, right? This is the, this so is, that's different the, than a fiscal note. So okay, this is the fiscal note. This is something. Um, a fiscal note can be applied from anywhere else. That just says that it costs money. Okay. If the bill specifically raises revenue to get that money, it needs sixty percent. So that's twenty five in the um, House and something like. 14 in the Senate. A backdoor filibuster. Uh, yeah, so it's a filibuster, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, except nobody has to invoke it. It's just written into the rules. Of course, because um, Delaware politicians would never even have to invoke it because they're yeah. a bunch of cowards. Minimum wage. So minimum wage had a fiscal note because a lot of state employees aren't paid 15. It did not need 60%. Gotcha. And I think It just needed the fiscal note, which is another... It just needed that extra process. Yeah, it just needed to right. show that it had to be put in the budget somewhere. It's, you know, dumb technical bullshit. It means it has to be put in appropriations, which almost killed it, but did not. Um, but that also ties into another issue that is also when people talk about the shortcomings of the $15 minimum wage bill, something to understand, which is the calculus that legislators make and how that comes into the all-around activism. So, for example, Jack Walsh, who I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk shit about because he worked really hard on this $15 minimum wage bill, and I don't think it would have happened without a lot of his advocacy. So, props to him on that. But when he was writing this bill, 80% of this work happens before the bill's even written, um, and that's why a lot of these activist groups are so involved in the drafting process. Because once the bill's written, that's the bill. You can amend it, but you, it's hard to really change the scope of it and actually get that amendment passed. So when Jack Walsh was writing this bill, he had to make internal calculuses, even with just a simple majority that says like, okay, what do I think can pass? Because none of, none of these legislators are going like, okay, what's the best bill possible? Um, and then we'll figure out how to get it passed. They go like, okay, what can get 11 votes in the Senate? What can get 21 votes in the House? And he decided 
I don't know whether he personally wanted anything better or not, but he decided that the best thing to do was to have a very simple, clean, four-year, $15 minimum wage bill because he thought that was the best chance of passing. Not adding in stuff like having it come in sooner for bigger businesses, not adding um, cost of living increase, not adding anything else like that um, because that was less likely to pass. Uh, and that also happens with legal weed. They thought it needed 25 votes in this house, and then it turned out last minute because there was a loan program in there. That actually needs an even bigger majority to pass. I forget if it was two-thirds or three-fourths. So the rules here are a, and I, it's the nerdiest thing I could possibly say, but it really shapes both the legislators' choices and the activists' choices because if you need to get 25 votes in the House, you need to get every Democrat except for one. There are several, there's more than one person affiliated with the cops down there. Mm -hmm. And so everybody, and props to Edizinski for running with this for so long and being so good on it, but that inherently goes into the calculus, not just of the legislators, but the activists and advocates and leadership and all sorts of things that throw up these barriers that, say, minimum wage didn't have because you only needed a simple majority. I guess it begs the question then, though, like, okay, so there's... I don't want to get too far in the weeds, I guess, but... Oh, we're already... I, I, the weeds. The weeds. I jumped right I in as I keep soon as you gave me the mic. Yeah, so... So... But that... that that So that's basically uh, stipulating that there are aspects of the bill that are going to trigger, you know, a very high standard. And so the, 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 the activists and the legislators who are crafting and, and lobbying for this should sort of understand to take them out. But what are, like, does that, you know, I don't want to, again, we're, 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 we're talking about it vis-a-vis -vis the, the minimum wage. And, you know, I guess you, you sort of name some, you know, there's no, there's no cost of living adjustment. There's other, there's other sort of, you know, little things that you'd like to put in it that were taken out of it to ensure that it would pass. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. You'd have to really break down like, okay, you know, what would they have had to take out of the marijuana legislation to, 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 un, to uncouple it from these bureaucratic well, rules? And that was the final debate was not that it necessarily had to get rid of the rules. There were Republicans that were willing to vote for a clean marijuana legalization bill. What does that mean? Though? That, that means that it just legalizes marijuana, marijuana and does nothing No else. equity. No, no social equity. Else. So the, the fight was over. Um, and I believe this was in the news journal, but I think I had heard it elsewhere as well. Okay. But basically, it came down. They almost had the votes. They almost had the twenty-five votes. Yeah, and I, I, um, that they much would need a few Republicans, but yeah. Republicans refused to, vote, refused to vote for anything with the social equity pieces in it. But there were progressives that were pushing to say, like, we're not stripping this out. This is a really important part of the bill. And so there was a deadlock between these two groups, and eventually it just fell apart. It got taken off the agenda. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. As an as an advocate for this issue, and and somebody who you know uses marijuana regularly, uh, I you know there's there is some, um, I, and I agree with this idea. There's some history there that says, look, because the people who want to use marijuana or need to use it for anxiety, for pain, for inflammation. Um, for glaucoma, uh, whatever, <clears throat> or they just like to use it recreationally, they're already doing it. Whether they do it easily because they're white and wealthy or they don't, everybody can do it. So there's this feeling like, well, the status quo right now actually is okay. 
Now, of course, the cops are going to are going to use it to exert their authority when they probably shouldn't. Um, you know, it, it's going to be more difficult for you know some people to access it. Um, people who need really probably need it for medicine. Um, but the fact of the matter is that unlike the fifteen dollar minimum wage, the status quo with weed is actually okay. The status quo for the minimum wage just wasn't. So I can understand why you just be like, look, we just got to get these people paid and we'll figure out the, the, the rest afterwards. And then the, but the calculus that you, like you call it the calculus, like the strategy with the legislation that maybe progressive activists thought about for marijuana was different because they're like, look, everybody's smoking weed anyway. So let John Carney look like a fucking moron. And like, and the cops are going to fucking fuck with everybody anyway. So let's not, let's, let's stick to our guns on this. I don't know. That's just, that's my, that's my like deep dive into it as I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. Well, I mean the, the, the thing to remember with all these discussions and the reason that we're spending so long talking about this is because certainly every legislator, and I think in many cases, every activist as well has this massive game of 3D chess going on in their head when it comes to strategy and, oh, we can't piss this person off because it's going to happen to this and all this stuff that we are so far removed when it comes to legislation from what is actually correct and what is right because there are these people in power and, you know, we can get rid of every conservative Democrat, we can get rid of every Republican, have every all 41 in the House, 21 in the Senate be progressive Democrats, WFP candidates, whatever. Um, there are still these external forces like the Delaware Restaurant Association when it came to minimum wage or Chamber of Commerce, uh, the FOP when it comes to legal weed and just other, you know, conservative interest groups. Um, I know that, like, you know, the Moms Stand Action people, you know, when it comes to, like, NRA, but then, like, Sportsman's Club, all, all this sort of stuff. There's going to be these issue groups that are always going to be there exerting pressure. Um, and there's always an implicit threat even if it's never actually realized that something bad is going to happen if you do this good thing. And so we just get caught up in this whole shenanigans. And that's why I talk about the rules, because that's another that's one part of it. There's the issue groups that are doing it. There's the oh, what if this, you know, loses me enough vote? Like. It's not a secret that a lot of people down there are cowards. I like a lot of them, but a lot of them are cowards. I mean, um, I, I like a few of them, and I would say most of them are cowards. Yeah. And they know who I'm talking about. They, but, I mean, they, they know. But so the we have to, like, if we want this to ever get better, you need to change both. You need to change the political calculus that's going on in their heads. Or you get a bunch of people down there who are, you know, amazing. Like, I mean, we need more people down there who are great, good. And that's very important because the people write, who write these bills, no matter what the activism around it, that does matter, as I mentioned earlier. Because 80% of this happens before the bill's even written. Um, so... Yeah, it's just with a lot of this, there's so much calculus going on in people's heads and we need to change what that calculus is. And that's a long term project. I think we also need to educate the community. So one of the things I've noticed in my little short time here is that people are only telling people uh, they can only explain that one particular issue. So if we're talking about legalizing marijuana, oh, this is why we legalize it. This is how it is. This is what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign this postcard, you know, share this on social media, X, Y, and Z. And then, let's say, when it doesn't happen, people are like, oh, see, I told you those politicians X, Y, and Z were no good, and they just, you know, whatever. I think we need to spend more time educating people on the process, pointing out, oh, guess what? They were a no, they were a, um, no vote until the last minute, and then they switched to vote. Like, we need to highlight the things that, like, to us, may be inherently obvious that people on the outside are not 
understanding or comprehending what it is that they see. Because I think that education piece also will help people when they go to even have conversations with their electeds that they like. You know what I mean? Make that a thing. Like, hey, so I was on the hearing and yeah, why did you, you know, start questioning them. Like, I think that accountability shouldn't be just right or wrong. But why are you thinking like this? You know what I mean? And what are what are the other forces? Make it be known. Yeah, because and people are just so far removed from the process that. You know, who knows what's going on at the federal level, much less the state level, which is never like our one very good political reporter just left his job to work for Planned Parenthood. He was the one guy who actually like covered this on a regular basis. Like Sarah Gamard does some stuff. But and she the blogs do, do the, some stuff, but they don't do the Matt day to day legislative stuff. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Fiddle. Shout out to Matt, by the way. Yeah, that was. I mean, I I know him a little bit personally, and I I knew what his move was going to be. You know, a little bit beforehand. Um, but yeah, he did a great job. He did. He is going to, I think, come in if he can, um, just to talk about the last session and what it was like. Because he's been in before. It'll be his second, uh, his second go round. But he was one of our first ones. Yeah, it was early. one of the first, like ten or fifteen, I think. One of the first, one of the first ones, ones here. here. Yeah, yeah, one of the first ones here for sure. So uh, yeah, that would be that, that's cool. And and big ups to him. That's a, an organization that's doing great work. Um, you know. Off. In the interest of full disclosure, I may or may not know somebody who uh, who, who works over there. So, but yeah, I mean, way to go, Matt. But I don't know. I, I just feel like is is the idea of getting people um, like more closer to the process or, or or more understanding of the machinations of it is that like is that reasonable? Like are people? I, I have a long-standing belief that if people actually knew what was going on in the legislative hall, not a single one of them would ever get reelected. Exactly. Because there's a lot of stuff that I can't even say here <laughs> that mm-hmm. that you like the stuff that's going on. Dude, you work for this podcast. Spill the beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work for the podcast, which is why I can't say it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like there's so much like in terms of just if if people knew what that calculus was, it goes even into progressives. And I like I think like a lot of our WFP people are different because it's coming from a different background. But even like other progressives um and i I don't want to dump on anybody specifically because there's a lot of people who even if they you know waffle and they you know ask dumb questions like they still come through at the end of the day so i'm not saying this is all bad but like it's wild out there like the fact that right to count i mean we can get into this later but like right to counsel fail leobor not even getting like there's so much well i'll give you an example let's use a specific example um, and the Leo Bohr thing again, like yeah, there was yeah, some police. About it. Yeah, there, there, yeah. there was some police reform. Um, I just, but it, it's nothing to celebrate, in my opinion. Um, you know, Larry Lambert's first piece of legislation was to like make sure kids could get tested for lead poisoning, which is actually great. But like, it's not exactly like earth shattering. We should probably already should have been doing that. I don't know how many people. Like, let's good. I'm glad we did it. It's not. It's not like it's, it's bad. But let's not like. It's not to, like throw a party, but let's not get a cake. You know, we don't need to buy, buy a fancy cake. I'll uh, buy a cake. I, I do love yeah, Larry Lambert. We gotta though. buy him a cake because yeah, he deserves so, a cake. Because he, he does. He's just so good. Because he also he also introduced and passed some other stuff that was. Really yeah. Good. I mean, look, if you if you think this is going to turn into some sort of Larry Lambert, bash, well, Larry's it is, my friend. It is not. We love that guy. We love Larry. So I'm just want to make sure we make that clear. We love Larry. Larry's my friend, and yes. <sighs> Larry Lambert was on a very special episode of the Highlands Bunker because he was in here with Jamie, and we did a half hour of Larry when he was running again, and the second half uh, we uh, was um, uh, Alex Rojas from the Justice Democrats called in from D.C. 
Yeah, because Jamie had worked with her when she came in for Carrie's campaign, so it was cool to have him here, and it was it was just a cool thing. But that was Larry's visit to the to the studio. Starting to reminisce now that the studio's back open, I can reminisce about all of this stuff. So so anyway, so this is the this is the exact situation. SB seven, the cash bail garbage. So the story is, and I and when I say story, I mean it's a story. It's like people telling like anecdotes. And again, I'm not gonna say that some people weren't released uh, on their own recognizance or, or without cash bail and then did a violent crime because that happens. That's true. Like, I get that. You know, that that's fine. Not, it's not fine, but I understand that that's a thing. <clears throat> but when you look at the, like, the data, like, what actually happens, not on a onesie, twosie, anecdotal way, but, like, is this an issue? Is this something that's happening writ large? And you, and you present, you know, JP court statistics as Sean Lynn did. And people are like, no, I, I feel like, I feel like it's bad. And then they, they pass this draconian, you know, reinstating this draconian uh, cash bail thing. Now, in the Senate, now, and, and speaking of Larry, everybody, all, the, all of our comrades and friends in the House voted against it. Good for them. Call out. Especially, especially somebody who's not a coward, Eric Morrison, went right on. And he was like, this is garbage. Eric Morrison, shout out. Um, in the Senate, we had a problem. In the Senate, apparently... It had, the, it had the Democratic votes to pass anyway, number one. Number two, it had no sunset provision. This is what I'm told. Now, again, this, this is going to have to be verified because this is just information I'm getting, making calls and talking to people. And so in order to, to put some sort of expiration on these new, harsher cash bail rules based on anecdotal evidence that um, was completely different than the data that the JP court had, There needed to peel away a couple of more progressive votes. So we had Kyle Evans Gay and Sarah McBride, a, a, a noted human rights activist. That's what I'm led to believe. And she, I said this to her personally, so I, I, don't, I want everybody to know that I said that because I'm very upset with this fucking vote. They voted for the, the bill with the, I guess, with an amendment or some sort of sunset clause or expiration date and it would have passed anyway and this was a way to get more people to buy in and so this is what they did okay it's 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 a horrible excuse but i i understand it my issue then became well why was it going to pass anyway who hmm. who should i so I, this, I i said something like okay who should i be having this conversation with then who should I be yelling at? Why I'm speaking like this? Uh, who sh who should who should I, in which direction should I point my my ire? And I said, is that goddamn uh, Sokola in leadership or Townsend? And th the question was not answered. Fair, fair enough. But I so I don't know for sure. But in in having conversations, the the idea that that Brian Townsend is possibly a a, a very um, ambitious politician we'll say and now he's in leadership so i'm sure he's probably got half a heart on and you know the attorney general's office uh, 
you know, the cops already think she's, a, you know, a cultural Marxist. And so, you know, if she has any sort of political ambition, she's going to want to shore up that. Make sure she doesn't, she can't, what, what, what does Carl say? Make sure she can't uh, have any mailers uh, that says she did X, Y, or Z. You know, so it's bad enough she let the, she let the folks go in Camden. But, you know, she's not well-liked among the cops because, again, to us, she's uh, Clinton. Uh, to to uh, the, the cops, she's, uh, I don't know. You know, she's like uh, Malcolm X. <clears throat> so, for, for political reasons, to, to make it look nice, because there's all of these terrible, terrible, and again, anytime there's violence, it's not great. I, I'm not an idiot. But I'm saying just because there was just because in isolated instances there was there was occasions for horrible violence doesn't mean we have to institute some systemic draconian uh, bail bullshit that we got we were past that we were past that years ago just like we're past capital punishment it's over that's done we realized it was stupid it's not it doesn't work we already know that and so to pull this out for political reasons when you know you're supposed to be part of this new you know new progressive leadership i'm not real fucking happy about it on top of which and i don't know this is something you guys you guys are more kind of tied into it so you might know a little bit more about it but there's some sort of constitutional amendment uh on on the tracks to be looked at in the next couple of years that deal that d deals with criminal justice issues reform consolidation whatever and so that would put an end to this anyway, because within that amendment, within that constitutional change, this will be dealt with in some fashion. But what I'm, what I'm led to believe is the fashion in which it's going to be dealt with is going to be just as draconian or worse than this bail bill that they just passed. Because somebody used the phrase to me in, in when doing my sort of calls about this. <clears throat> this is going to be good. Just you wait. Preventative detention. How do you feel about that phrase? And this, and so, and so, I want to, I want to get both of your feedback on this. But this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, where I feel like, as you said, people don't understand these machinations or why this stuff happens, right? And it kind of just blows pie, and then two years, three years later, we'll, they're just like, well, we can just codify what we did, and we'll call it this thing, and we already did it anyway three years ago, so here we are. Oh, and then by the way, you know. Brian Townsend's the new U.S. representative to the U.S. House. So, you know, um, I, I use this example to try to point out this idea that, like, this is stuff that I'm pretty comfortable saying. And if people want to come, and again, Brian Townsend has every, my door is open, my man. Wide open. You tell me. We'll go on the road. I'll meet you at yours. We'll take this fucking show on the road. So if you have any, if you, you know, if you want to talk about this, I'm more than willing to do that. But but again, this this indicates all of these little and I find them and, and sometimes I get I get fired up about them and I think they're cool, but they're also kind of like, are regular people gonna think this is boring? Is this gonna help? Like, is this gonna help politics in any way? Like knowing this or or get or, 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 or communicating this information? I think that we have to make it personal to regular people because I think the one thing I had people and I don't even want to go into the group's name, but I had people in this one group who was for civil rights, who literally was for, and I like, I literally had to have conversations that turned into kind of like a shouting match kind of thing. And I was like, I'm not 
debating with you until you read the bill. Okay. So we're not having this conversation if you have not read it because they wanted to know who the two no votes were. And I wanted to shout out Marie Pinkney. I'll throw in Bonini because he is mine. <laughs> like, who would uh, think the, the two of them? You know, you know what I mean? The round bound to rebound. Yeah, like, like really? You know? But Benini's good on civil forfeiture. Yeah, well, Benini. At least I give Benini credit. Uh, you know, he has a unlike some people, he does have a, a, a an overarching sort of consistent ideology, like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it. I think it's, I think it's childish. I mean, he does look like a large baby, so maybe but that's part of it. I don't know, but. But the, 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 the childish sort of half-baked ideas he does have, he applies them in a consistent way. And, and I'm okay with consistency. At least we know what to expect and what to attack. But I think the biggest thing that the when I've had this conversation with people who were supportive of it is when I told them this is an accusation. And what people have this, I don't know, like it's been fed to them that if you don't commit a crime, you don't have to worry about it. Have you not been paying attention? We're in America that doesn't apply here. Yeah, that's not that's, that's not, not what's going down. That's not how it works. You know, and everything down to, you know, everything from the time the accusation is, there's lots of factors that come into by you being charged. Like, just because somebody knows, for example, I had a situation where a person claimed, they knew that they had robbed this person, took something from out their car or whatever. They told the police that they had shot, this person had shot at them. They pull the car over. There's no weapons in the car. Their guns are drawn. Pull the pull the person out of the car. The whole nine, right? He went in the car. wasn't no weapons or anything. You know he still got charged because somebody accused him. And I think that that's the part that people don't understand. He accused him. He had to go find the surveillance video from a neighbor's house to prove that he wasn't there and that this never happened. Okay, and everything. But he still had to pay a lawyer. He still had to go through the whole process. He owned his own business. What happens if he had a job where you can't have any felonies? or And he had a cash bail. And that's the part of people to understand. An accusation can derail your job, your household, your stability. An accusation. And once the accusation is out there, it's hard to bring it back. It's hard. They don't come back and say, oh, by the way, you know, we did that show and we're talking about such and such and they did X, Y, and Z. Guess what? They were cleared on the next chapter. No, they don't. Yeah. Well, again, and 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 and, and kudos uh, to, to Sean Lynn for uh, making this case and calling a witness and basically saying, yes, this this actually in practice as a universal systemic practice is terrible. Now, it is also true that sometimes people get out and commit violence. But like, we, that you can't legislate by, by, you have to look at the systemic broad impact of something and be like, well, this doesn't work. And then, and there's, and then just try to deal with the other stuff uh, as, a, as an ancillary thing. Yeah, it, it, it's not a great, not a great situation. I think the part that bothered me the most was somebody said, well, if at least it, it keeps one person off the street, it's worth it. No, it's oh, not. No, it's not. Actually, that's the opposite. You ruining wrong. one person's life just to keep, just because you catch one person ruining the other 99's yeah. lives? Like, what? Yeah, like, that. that these, this is the kind of stuff that has to be like, no, that's actually, no, that's actually wrong. That's stupid. And that Like, don't like, say that. Why are you five. saying that? Like, why isn't somebody being like, that's idiotic. We strike that from the record for being stupid. Exactly. Because then the person that says that doesn't run their bill. Well, well, that's, but that's fine. But then the problem is, 
then the problem becomes, as you said before, there's all these little machinations that I have to, so, and then what, what comes out the end of that, what comes out the end of like that process is, the, is what we got, which is why I'm disappointed because nothing happens. So they run the bill or they're going to do this for you or they're going to say this or, or, or they're going to vote for it in committee or they're going to be nice to you and, and, and make sure that doesn't go to this committee or they're going to tell Pete Schwartzkopf you're a nice person or whatever the fuck it is. At the end of the day, on July 1st, we always get fucked. So I don't know what all of this fucking glad-handing and, and realpolitik in Dover is actually accomplishing. Well, because there's people who have tried it the other way, and that also doesn't get results. Well, that's true. you don't true. have the numbers. Thank, thank, thank you. Um, rep yeah, like yes. Qualco, um, I mean... God bless his heart. Paul Bombach's been running that aid and dying bill for years. Yeah, we see you, Paul. We know you're trying. And there's, you know, reasons that it doesn't get through other than just, like, it doesn't have enough votes. Like, there's... But what I'm saying is at least John Qualco goes home with his head held high. He doesn't go home like a little bitch. Like, well, like I, so I, he doesn't okay, call well, somebody Okay, out. are we talking about results? Or are we still talking about results, though? Yeah, they so neither get results... There's no results. No well, results. I mean, the question is, and then, <laughs> are the results zero or a little tiny thing? A little tiny thing is still technically more. And I think that <laughs> yeah, this whole way of doing... technically more. That's fine. So, like, I, my, my view of politics is if you can help one person, it's sort of the inverse of the statement <laughs> that was made earlier. If right, you can right. help one person, if you can, uh, then, if you can, honestly, if you can save one life, that's... Made it worth it. That you can put, like, how much, like time would you put in of your life to save one of the person's life that you knew that should be applied as, applied as a broad principle um so i do think that a fight for even a small bill is worth it but if we don't change the calculus which is what i was saying earlier then we're going to keep getting the same shit results and so that means the wholesale process you got to change the legislators you got to change the rules you have to change the pressure groups you have to change all of that stuff and then I mean, that's what happened with SB 15. That was not going to pass two years ago. But, you know, it happened. We changed a lot of legislators. We changed leadership in one of the houses. Uh, it died, as uh, not SB 15, I forget what the number was, of the $15 minimum wage bill in 2019. It died in the Senate. But for, like, you know, Brian Townsend's, which I don't agree with on SB 7, all the stuff he did there, the new Senate leadership ran SB 15 through in weeks, as opposed to months, which is what it took the House for, where it died two years before. That was a change. That changed the calculus. Getting more people in, sending them a bunch of postcards, calling them, getting all this media stuff, that changed the calculus. It didn't change it nearly enough, and that's why there's so much more fight left to do, but, like, the individual personal decisions of these legislators in this truly bizarre, funhouse mirror of a legislative system that we have... Like, there's only so much each individual person could do, which is why someone like Kowalko or Bombach that's been fighting for so long for, like, legitimately great issues just ends up with nothing. Yeah, and again, I, I guess there is something to say for sort of any kind of incremental improvement. Just like there's something to say for Larry Lambert's uh, lead poisoning bill. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened before, actually. Like, that, that sort right. of thing's been introduced before and never passed. Yes. I, 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 I guess that it, on the other side of the ledger... What you're what you're really sort of saying is that you know we just have to so at, at the at the I don't know if we get any systemic change doing this 
little by little. Well, the I don't issue, think it's well, picking at the that's wall. That's what I'm talking like, about. I'm talking about systemic change. Well, yeah, that's but the you, calculus. But you're saying when you yes. change the equation. But do you, that's, but do you that's think? Do you think that those? Do you think those um, trade offs and appeasing people you know don't have your best interests in mind for the small do you think that that does anything to change the calculus are they are they on two different tracks i don't think that any one is one one decision that any of those people make changes the calculus okay uh i do think that like certain like for example like all the whp people and then few others voting against sb7 i think that's still important because it shows hey there's people who are doing stuff and i think in certain cases for bigger things like that where it's going to affect the lives of probably hundreds or thousands of people like there are cases where certainly have like making a stand is worth it, even if it's obviously going to fail, um, because people need to have some sort of faith that there's some people doing stuff. But um, I honestly don't think that in any, especially because nobody's paying attention to any of this, which is kind of the when whenever we talk about public posture, and certainly that's yeah, because it just seems to me like the motivation. <laughs> there's th- those two things are decoupled. Because the motivation for making the making the small concession to get everything, the motivation sometimes is just like political expedience. Well, yeah, and that's and what to it look is in, in, right. In most that, cases, certainly. Yeah, like the stuff that I was talking about. Most people are doing are to try to get in the good graces of people so they could, you know, maybe get picked, you know, uh, you know, for you know what they just sent Jack Markell out to as an ambassador somewhere, uh, to somewhere Greece or Japan maybe. And so Jack Markell's an ambassador now because now that Biden's president, everybody's everybody's sort of like the bubble that they can operate in is now bigger. Expanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just I I'm fine with like realpolitik if it's gonna be in the interest of structural change, systemic change, or some sort of larger ideology that we can we can fall back on and say, this is the right thing to do. You know, we'll take our lumps today uh, and we'll move on. But if but if the motivation isn't that and the motivation is to get on, you know, like Darius Brown's motivation is to get on Biden's radar to be, you know, the undersecretary of transportation, then that's fucked up. Yeah. Yes. Well, so that's and that's the thing. So people who are doing it for like people who go into the system and don't realize it needs to be changed are not to be trusted. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I guess that's what I'm trying to suss out is like who your allies are, like yeah. who's yep. your comrades and friends. Right. And then, and you know, do you want to make, you know, certainly those people you want to work with, and I'll accept the fact that I accept, for this is a perfect example, we were just talking about it. I accept the fact that Marie Pinckney made concessions to get some police reform on the books this session because she was just elected and this happened. And so whatever she had to do to make that happen, I know her and I know what she's trying to do. Well, and that's the thing. So if we keep sending people down there that we know and we trust, and they keep making the same types of decisions, I think that says less about the individual people than it does about, about the, the system, system and the fact that we need to change it. And I think that's what the focus needs to be, because a lot of times people want to focus on the individuals, and we need to sh- under- show them, no, we should be attacking the system. This goes back to the systemic change. And people are not understanding that. Because even if you have the right people, and they have to worry about, oh, such and such gave me this amount of money and they're against this. You know what I mean? The Telworth Sportsman's Association or like <laughs> uh, whatever, this seven different uh, horse racing packs that they yeah. have out there. And I, and I think that, so that- Andrea Bennett's on that gambling committee, yeah. right? That's that was cool. very fun going through John Viola's old donations. It's like, you received like $10,000 <laughs> from these like thoroughbred association and Delaware State Park. Sorry, that's a tangent, but- 
But I think, too, like what you're saying like this, like about the campaign donations and stuff like that. So when we're talking about like educating people and people, stuff like that, like people need to look this stuff up. They need to look up how people voted. You know what I mean? Like people were like, oh, this person's a Republican or this person's a Democrat, X, Y, and Z. You don't need, like people don't know enough about the system to understand why it needs to be changed because we're clearly, well, I guess nobody paid attention in school because I think we were taught some of this stuff, but a lot of people just didn't. Not on the state level. Really? Because uh, I mean, I remember. Oh. I mean, I took all the. I was a nerd. I took all the you know civics and so uh, gov classes, and like they'll tell you about the federal stuff, and they'll mention that maybe the states exist. They didn't. You're right. They didn't do it on on a local level. They never talk about the local stuff. So we need to get that in the curriculum. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm a big. We got to get some cultural that Marxism in the curriculum, folks. Yeah. We're going to critical race theory ourselves. We're going to CRT. Yes. That's a great segue. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. Number one, we're going to cut it off here. But we're going to do a little, we're going to do more recording. We're either going to use it next week um, because uh, Carl is, is going to take a, a, a breather <gasps> after everything. Yes, is done. So Carl. maybe we'll just cut something to use next week as a bonus. Or we might just release it as a bonus because what uh, Ty and I are going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the gun issue. We're going to talk about growing up and going to Catholic school. So that's going to be fun. And so it's, it might be something you're interested in, and we're going to do that. Um, but for now, I want to talk about what we're going to do longer term. Two things. One is critical race theory. I'm trying to have an academic come in to talk about what critical race theory actually is and what critical, uh, sort of, uh, critical theory is, how it relates to the Frankfurt School's uh, critique of culture. Um, it's going to be deep. But you got to understand this because the fucking reactionaries are talking about critical race theory. So you have to understand what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm sorry I have to do this, but I have to do this. So that's coming up. Also coming up, we're going to talk to an academic who's a friend of mine uh, from Chile, in Santiago, Chile. We're going to talk about South American politics because you have to have international solidarity. I know it's boring. You don't want to listen to it. Fucking tough shit. Um, you need to understand it or else we're not going to get anywhere. Um, but on the local side. Definitely going to try to get Biddle in here to congratulate him on his new stuff and go over the session uh, with him to get his inside scoop on it. Um, there'll also be some legislators coming in here for me to sort of talk about this kind of stuff, possibly yell at. That will be fun. Um, so all of this stuff is coming up. To help us do this, go to patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Click on that. Just, you know... Drop us ten bucks a month. Help out the help out the cause, and uh, we would be uh, forever grateful. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Highlands Bunker. Um, you should also check out uh, some of our work at DelawareCall.com. Uh, we have something actually pretty fun coming up that again might blow people's minds. I don't know, but we're trying to do fun stuff. We're trying to do different stuff that you don't see everywhere. So um, help us if you can. Keep listening, and uh, from the bunker. Uh, left is best. <laughs>